are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Hello everyone, this is Steve Angel and welcome to the Traditional Outdoors podcast. We have a great episode lined up for you this week, but more about that in just a minute. First, I've got a few items that I'd like to cover with you real quick. First, this is your last chance to get entered for the drawing that will happen later this week, so get those reviews in on iTunes for the podcast as we will be drawing a winner on Thursday night, March 28th. Second, we're going to try and do something a little different this week. Uh, In light of the one-year mark for the podcast, we are going to try and record an episode live and let listeners join the conference bridge listen to the podcast being recorded, and even ask questions of myself, Nick, or Tom while we are recording. Now, more details will come later this week, so watch the Traditional Outdoors Facebook page and the Traditional Outdoors Community Group on Facebook for more details about how you can join, listen in, and ask your questions. The topic will be a review of the first year of the podcast, our favorite moments, topics, and guests. And I also plan to do the drawing live at the start of the podcast for the Scott Spray Custom Fly Rod and the Scott Spray Custom License Plate. So we hope you will join us for that. Also with the one-year mark, I will be updating the traditional outdoors logo, and I am contemplating offering t-shirts, hats, or perhaps both for listeners to purchase very soon. So stay tuned for those exciting changes and announcements as well. Okay. This past week, I was in South Carolina hunting hogs on a 3,000-acre track of land that I've been hunting since 2012. Now, this particular hunt has come to be known as Camp Hambush, and while I was there, I sat down with the two founding members of Camp Hambush, Rick Butler and Doug Gilmore, and had a great conversation about the history of this hunt and some of the events that have transpired over the years. We were also joined by two longstanding members of Hambush, Derek Sheehan, and traditional outdoors co-host at large, Mr. Tom Jurgensen. This year's hunt was pretty slow with few hog sightings until the last 36 hours of the hunt. However, during those last few hours, most of the hunters saw hogs. Two hogs were taken by one of the participants, and yours truly had an opportunity at a nice 150-pound or so hog and missed. Twice. I admit I was disappointed, but with a camp full of people like those I shared camp with this week, it's difficult to focus on the downside. We had a great hunt, 
And the high point for me was spending time with several of those individuals and recording this week's episode. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed chatting with them. So we started in 2010, and I had been looking in Trag Gang, and they were running ads for these hog hunts. I had always wanted to hunt hogs in the South. Called up Doug, and we got talking about it and that. And he said, well, let's book a trip. So we booked a trip. We came down, hunted for three days, loved it. Got in the car on the way home. We hadn't gone five minutes. We tried to figure out when we were coming back. Could so. not wait to come back. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, first year, didn't even see a pig. But getting on this property, we just could not wait to come back. I mean, it, it just, it, it was like nothing we'd ever done. And uh, I, it was about yeah. five miles down the road, and we did. We booked, as soon as we got home, it seems like. And, and that was when it was a two-and-a-half-day hunt. Right. It, yeah, yeah. But my son, Sean, had come down with us, and we met. We hunted with two guys out of New York. And they came down also. We'd never met them before, but I mean, like, everybody hit it off right away. And, you know, they had, I don't think they had ever hunted in the South before either. I don't believe so. Uh, I think that was their first hunt. Yeah. And it, we hit it off. I mean, it was just like we'd known them forever. Yeah. And uh, it, most of the camps have been that way since then. You know, we've... Over the years, we've really had a great group of people that we've hunted with. Very few would we, you know, never share camp with again. Everybody has been, with few exceptions. So we've got, uh, I guess, everybody listening, we kind of need to let people know who all are listening to talking here. So, um, Rick, you, you kind of jumped in there. Yeah, You're the, I'm Rick Butler. I, I, we're basically all from Michigan but except for the the odd man out here <laughs> yeah uh, and then the, the uh, second individual that was talking I, I'm Doug Gilmore um, from Michigan live in the Upper Peninsula now Rick and I have known each other forever as a matter of fact this is this year is our 50th year since we started hunting together yep. Wow yeah better than a lot of marriages that's what we were talking about that. We both had two marriages and two kids, and yeah, we, we've stuck together. So also joining us in the room is Derek. Yep, I'm Derek Sheehan in Michigan, or south side of Kalamazoo. So real quickly, when was your first? Well, probably 15. That's when I came down here first. So you, I honestly don't remember how I got in on it, the whole thing. But here we are. I think it was at was it at GLLI the previous summer? Might have been at GLLI. We were I talking. Remember talking to you and Chris about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, did y'all know each other before that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. So you're 2015. So yep. you you never had the pleasure of hunting out of the old camp, which we'll no. get to in a yeah. minute. Okay. No, I was. I never had that honor. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a way to put it. And then Tom is yeah. joining us again. Tom's back talking about pig hunting, my favorite thing. <laughs> so we're at uh, 
we're Camp Hambush 2019, and I do want to get talk a little bit more about how all that came about. We obviously know where everybody everybody got started. So your hunt was twenty. First one was 2015. Your Tom, your first hunt was 2011. 2011, and my first hunt was 2012. Not long after that, because February of 2012, um, and that was a camp. It had me, you, um, Jay St. Charles, Ray. Morbin and a couple of others were in camp that I've forgotten yeah, their the, names. The first time we hunted the property. Right, the first time you and I hunted the property together, yep. You had hunted prior to that, but I never had. And that took you a few years to get uh, to get the invite for, for Hambush. So, yeah, so that was... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so I didn't... I took several years off hunting the property, and there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but then you started... You really wanted me to uh, meet Andrew and come down here and, and, and hunt with Andrew. Uh, and I'll never forget it. I actually left the deer woods, drove out to find a signal to call Andrew about coming and hunting. And I, only, I guess that would have been, that was 2016, I guess. Yeah, that was 2016. And, and came down to hunting with you and a group. Um, the Davids were here. And I know there's some others in camp there. And I honestly don't remember how I got in on the first camp ambush, but the first one I hunted was 2017. Um, and I think it was just Facebook probably we were talking about needing a spot field. So, but you guys have been now. So it wasn't originally called Camp Ambush. No. I want to get into that, but I'll go back to you and Rick. So you guys started. You made it an annual thing, or were you coming more than once a year? Well, that second year we came twice. Right. Um, but we came the first time in February, and that didn't go that well with our bunk mates. Mm. So we decided when we got in the car, we said uh, well, we already scheduled vacation time for Compton. Let's just come back down here instead of going to Compton that year. That's oh. what we did. So this was before you joined the life of retirement and That's could go right. wherever you wanted yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the 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 early the early years, um, Tom and I have talked a little bit about the old camp, but you know from you guys, let's you know let's <laughs> let's hear some about the about the old camp and some of the adventures and misadventures. What do you see when you drive up to the old camp? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> what's the first thing? Paint us a picture. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind exactly? What the heck was this? Uh, it, it is. It's a single wide, right? It's a single wide trailer, big with a big porch. We spent actually most of the time on the porch because it was much nicer than the trailer. <laughs> um, the trailer we could, you could sit in the bathroom and look out through the floor in certain spots when you stood in the shower you had to be kind of careful because you were afraid the shower was going to go through you had to brace against the sides of the shower yeah uh the and there was a the the couch i'll never forget that I, you set three people on the couch the two on the end set high and one in the middle set low because somebody had slept on it one time and broke it <laughs> found it more comfortable after they broke it uh, it, it was uh, two bunk beds in the front room, four bunk beds in the back. 
and the couch and the couch and um you had i remember one year looking up and thinking "Ah, i could take those spiders down i should take that big spider web over my head down and no i'm gonna leave it because i know right where they're at now um i think one of the funny times was when tom rick and i came down and it's jumping ahead a couple years or uh we went to town bought a broom and a mouse big rat trap because we had found <laughs> rat droppings up in the cupboard and so the three of us we cleaned the place up and because uh, the old proprietor at that time wasn't here so we cleaned it all up set the rat trap <laughs> middle of the night that thing went off and the three of us just looked at each other. We could hear the rat trap going all over. We could hear the rat trap. It didn't trash. kill the rat. No, no. But none of us were brave enough at that point to get up in the middle of the night to go see it. We got up the next morning, and there was part of a rat tail, and the trap left. That was it. It so, chewed uh, his way out. To it had you. ate its tail off. Yeah. So you and I do want to paint a little bit more of a picture of this trailer. We're not talking about a, a fourteen by seventy mobile home. We're talking about like a twelve foot by by sixty maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. it's and you're yeah. hearing all this stuff as far as what was in the trailer. It was pretty packed. It was packed. Yeah, it, it was packed. Um, well, one of the things you kind of knew what you were in for was you go inside and there's all the light switches and all the electrical outlets. And none of it worked. There was conduit on the outside, like on the insides of the interior walls, yeah. with all of the plugs and like submarine lighting or something. Yeah. And that was the electric, because all the stuff in the walls was so bad it had to be abandoned when yeah. they put a new power box. Well, if you needed to know what the weather was outside, you stuck your finger through a hole in the yeah. wall. You had a good and idea. And you could tell if it was windy or if it was raining. And yes. we're not exaggerating. I no. mean, this is we're 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 not we're not playing this up. Do you guys remember when the Black Widow was had the uh, the web in between the panes oh, by the, oh, yeah. kitchen by the window. table at, the, yeah. at yeah. the kitchen table? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. It. Um, and then there was the, the alligator. The alligator, the alligator in the, in the cesspool. Yep. Yeah. And there was a number of times. I mean, you had to watch where you walked in the trailer so you didn't fall through because the floor was bad. Oh, the, the, it was, you were talking about the porch, but the porch was really the most sound part right. of this entire house. Oh, absolutely. That's why we would spend as much time on the porch as we could. Um, we would eat inside and sleep as good as you could inside. But even with all of that, we couldn't wait to come back down. Oh, great. And there was... It, it just... There's, there was nothing like it. And you, you guys have probably heard some some tales and stories too. But I know there's some there's some pretty well known people that spent weekends hunting in that camp. The Winslow brothers have mm -hmm. hunted out of that camp. Yeah, I'd love to hear some of those stories. Uh, Biggie Hoffman was another one. I've heard it's, some of the Biggie Hoffman stories. Biggie's the one that Biggie's the one. set the set the couch. Broke the couch. Yeah. Oh, Biggie's the one. That Biggie's the one <laughs> broke the couch. Race or and, and for those that don't know who Biggie Hoffman is, Biggie acquired that name. Do you do you guys know how he acquired the name? Uh -uh. So every time he'd stop at a fast food restaurant, it was 
Biggie Fry's Biggie Dream, and <laughs> he became Biggie Hoffman. <laughs> so, uh, <I'll> do it. <laughs> and he was a big, he was a big fella. I mean, I met him. I mean, he's just a not not. I mean, he's just a big guy. Yeah. I met him a couple of years ago. I actually was on a hunting lease with him for, and it's kind of funny. Uh, so it's a running joke that um, people would sit around in the in the trailer down there and tell stories and a lot of times they'd tell the same stories over and over and over again and one of the one of the running jokes was Biggie would start telling a story that everybody had heard and I don't remember if it was Barry or Gene but one of the Winslow brothers started to heard it you know he'd, they'd let him get all the way through the story till he got right to the punch you know the, the meat of the story and they'd go heard it and just drive Biggie up the wall <laughs> so a few years ago this uh, Smoking Acres Hunt Club. It was a traditional only club down in Georgia. And they posted on Trad Gang that there was an opening. So I immediately, you know, hit them up and Biggie said, well, come on down here one, one Saturday and I'll, I'll show you around the property. I said, okay, I'd love to do that. So I showed up down there and, and Biggie came pulling in his pickup. He had a big F-250 four-wheel drive or something. He said, hop in and I'll drive you around. So as he's giving me the tour, he's going through, you know, all these, took a buck over here, did this over there, and we get on the back side of this property and we're driving through and he starts going off on this story about rabbit hunting and, and I mean, it was a long story. And I'm sitting there and I've already thought about what I'm going to do, but I'm waiting and you can just tell he's building up to something and about the time he's ready to build up to it, I said, heard it. <laughs> and he let out a few choice words about the person he knew I had heard that story from, slammed on the brakes, said, get, get the double, double, double out of my truck. And then just busted out laughing. So he took it all in good stride. But uh, anyway, big as, a, big as a cool guy. Well, when he had, the story we got on him with that couch was he was sleeping on it or trying to sleep on it and could not get comfortable. And Imagine he that. kept tossing and turning and tossing, and finally the frame broke in the middle. And he said, ah, oh, yeah, now it's comfortable. <laughs> that sounds about right. So I remember every time Sean would come down, he'd want to sleep on the couch. Oh, that, yeah, he, that could have been to escape all the CPAP machines and yeah, snoring. Right. Oh, yeah. But he wanted that couch. And uh, when the uh, old trailer was going to get shut down, I remember him posing the question like, what do you think they're doing with that couch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember the CPAP machines. I do remember the CPAP machines. And when you had a full camp, I mean, there were people spread out all because the bunks yeah. only held what? How many people did Two, the bunks? four. Was it six? We could sleep six in bunks. Yeah. And somebody on the couch. And then that one year we were down here and they had cots in the living room also, a couple of cots, I think. I remember those wow. bunks had to get repaired. Yeah. The first time I climbed up in an upper, man, it was rocking and rolling. It was like being in a tree stand in a windstorm. Yeah. The thing was shifting back and forth. And you didn't, you hoped and prayed you didn't wake up in a panic or anything because if you set up too quick, you're going to knock yourself out. No, you just go through the roof. Oh, well, yeah. That's, true. that's the other thing too is the the real low ceiling and the real high bunk i'd have to kind of like shimmy my way into the uppers it was not for the claustrophobic 
Yeah. No. And then you could hear sometimes the mice between the <laughs> layers stirring over your head. Well, you, you could, prayed yeah. they were just mice in there. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you could hear them in the walls. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. In the walls. Got down here one. Got down here one year, and uh, they told us, "Well, something's dead in one of the walls. You're going to smell it a little bit every now and then, but it's dead, so it's no problem." We uh, talked about the old trailer, and I think the best quote came from one of the the Fakawi tribe guys. He said, uh, "We just love the land more than we hated the trailer." Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a, a lot of people just kept coming back. I mean, now the trailer is still there for enjoyment as we speak. And you know what's funny is every trip I make it down here, I have to drive by the old mm-hmm. camp at least one time. Yeah. I mean, you just I, I went through it yesterday. Yeah, walked through it yesterday. <laughs> That's really changed too much from when we stayed there. But, you know, it was. It was very funny because I can remember going home and telling my wife the, All the mouths what, the you know, what it was like. And oh, yeah. Wild Earth, she would you want to go back? Well, yeah, why Susan, are you going back? Susan and I came down here in the May of, end of May of 2016. Yeah, with Rowan. And... I took them to go see the old trailer, and they were just floored. They were like, what? <laughs> well, and the first... People the, stayed in that? Yeah, the first thought like, you think is when you pull up and see it now, you think, well, it's been several years. I mean, right. it had to have been better, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. no it, it, at this point, it can't really deteriorate all that much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, when, I guess... The best way to put it would be you pulled up in front of it and you would look at it and think, well, I wonder where we're staying because that place got to be abandoned. <laughs> yeah, you know. can't be it. Nope. Well, in the, in the old days, you went and got your, everybody met at Wiggins Hardware and Wiggins got your license. So I think the plan may have been that it was dark by the time you got back to camp. So you <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i tell you what, though. As ugly as that porch and that trailer were, there's nothing prettier than showing up with a bunch of guys and having all the bows and all yeah. the quivers and just lining that porch. Yeah. Oh, the exactly. porch was fantastic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Any, anything you wanted to shoot or check out, it seemed like somebody had, you know, it was just. And then you would, you cool. would, you'd spend time going over the map of the property and then you'd spend time going over, are your broadheads sharp? And there was a testing process to make sure everybody's broadheads were sharp. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a, another check every night, whether you knew it or not. When you came back in the camp, your broadheads were checked to see if anybody shot. If you had all your arrows. Yeah. So it was it was really some some cool stuff. <laughs> really some cool stuff. Now, so you guys have been coming here the longest. Mm-hmm. Yes. How long before you got your first pig? I'll start with you. <laughs> Finally, on my seventh trip, I took a, I took a hog. I'd had a couple of shot up opportunities before. I'd missed a couple, and there were some that pig was there, but it just just didn't feel right. You know, it's a past on it. So seven years. Yep. I got mine uh, 2013, so it would have been our fourth year. fourth trip down. Now, did you have opportunities before that that just didn't go right? Or yes. Yeah. Um, well, I was hunting 
the, the second year I think we were here, I was up in, in the Fragmite. Oh, that's right, when the kids were and here. And I had a pig at three yards, but it was so thick I couldn't get a shot at it. Okay, explain the Fragmites because everybody listening just went, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real thick grass. Grass. Yeah. That. How tall? Oh, 12 feet? Probably 10, 12 foot yeah. they'll get up to. And wet underneath it. it. Well, at that time, I was way, I was able to wade through them, but it was almost knee high the water. And I'm, as you guys know, I don't like snakes. And I'm wading through this water, and I got laughing because in Michigan I wouldn't go into that, I, you know, because there's snakes in it. I'm not going into something like that. Well, there's no down, snakes down here. here. Yeah. I got into it, and I'm wading after pigs, and I'm thinking. All right, snakes and alligators, and I'm in the water with it, and didn't bother me. I was going after pigs. It makes you kind of stupid. I found <laughs> pig hunting makes you kind of stupid with some of the stuff you do. Uh, I, I think we got a title for the episode. Yeah, <laughs> pig hunting makes you stupid. Pig pig makes you stupid. But we've all we've all done things that we normally wouldn't oh, do with yeah. a pig, and then realize what the heck did I just do? Well. <laughs> The one year, um, and I'm jumping ahead a few years again, but I had, I had gotten into a blowdown and started pulling some branches down. As I went to grab one of the branches, I realized it was a snake that was hanging down. Oh, I'd love to have been there for that. <laughs> oh, I sat there, it was like three hours and ten minutes. The snake stared at me, and I stared at it, because I really wanted to hunt there because I knew there were pigs coming through. What'd you say about pig hunt makes you stupid? Oh, I absolutely. And Andrew Zwerk came, happened to stumble on me. Right. And uh, he said, Doug, what are you doing? And I just, I didn't look at him, because I could see him out of the side of my eye, but I kept my eye on the snake, and I said, the snake. And he said, well, do you want me to move it? And I said, no, because I know where it's at right now. <laughs> and the reason I say three hours and ten minutes, because at that three hour and ten minute mark, the snake went back up the tree, and I left the tree. I left the blowdown, because then I didn't know where the snake was. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, it, it does make you stupid. Seven years... What's that? I'm sorry. I was going to say, so you stumbled into something that actually was kind of pivotal, though. So you guys were on the Phragmites, and there's little grass islands yes, out there yes, that the, the hogs will lay up yeah. in. The trick is you can't, I mean, it's so tight, you can't draw a bow in there. Correct. And so after that trip, you guys were giving up the long, long bows or longer recurves. Yes. And I had gone to... Uh, the bunny stomp in Michigan and Chuck Deschler, two track bows. Mm -hmm. um, I did and won a ambush. He makes a little 50. Recurve 50. Yeah, 52 um, yeah. inch, 50 inch recurve. And that thing flings arrows like you wouldn't believe. So I brought it down and it was perfect because you could get into so many places down here i you know the second year we came down to get into the fragmites i actually brought pruning shears 
so I could cut my way in through the briars because I knew there were pigs in there. Um, but that was a perfect bow for it. It was, you could just get around all kinds of places. And that, that spring, Sean bought one from him. Yeah. And then I had ordered one from him also. So all three of us are shooting this little ambush bows and we thought well how appropriate is to call this the ambush you know? <laughs> we're using them for and it's, and it's uh, a little h and in yeah. case a correct so ambush well you had ambush on your boat. yeah well i wrote it on in okay permanent marker okay but, yep. yeah. but that's how that's how that's how camp ambush that's how came, came, came about that's pretty cool yeah. that's pretty cool that was and, my first hunt with you guys so yes. you had these little itty bows, and I had a 70-inch big bow. <laughs> My printing shears got more work than anybody. Yeah. Of course, in all fairness, I couldn't carry a 70-inch bow out of my height. You'd have that platform shoot. Yes, I would. Uh, so up until this point, the majority of the hunting that you're doing is spot and stop. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, and, and much of the hunting is done here is around feeders but i know in the early days that's pretty much even though the feeders were there and the feeders were running yeah. most people get out and spot and stalk and if you happen to find your way near a feeder right before it went off in the afternoon you right. hang out but you weren't you weren't just sitting feeders correct and they would do a little bit of corning of the roads right. you know um but yeah it was all all spot and stalk yeah. and those first few years, we learned an awful lot about, you know, hunting. I mean, Rick and I have hunted whitetails for years. Um, pigs are different. And, you know, you, you walk slow, then you slow down, and then you walk even slower than that. But, I, but I've found some pretty odd things about them, too, such as... You know, and multiple times I've had this where you spotted a group of pigs and they were a ways off and you can all but run at them. I yeah. mean, until you get within that 50, 60 yard boundary, you can, I mean, you can just chase after them. Yes. Because they're, they're, not, they're not paying that much attention. But going back to the feeders, because I know people are going to be looking, you're hunting over bait. As we have found this week, the feeders don't mean anything. Guarantee. I mean, we, yeah. we've had eight people. We've been hunting eight people a day and we've seen three pigs one pig we've seen five four four times total and we know it's the same pig because he he's now been nicknamed chicken hawk because he's a, a little 30 pound boar that comes in grunting and 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 blowing and carrying on and chasing the little chickadees away yep. and everything else he's he thinks he's a bad dude. He owns the place right now. <laughs> he, he, he surely does. It's the, it's the only pig on the hill. So what? What year was? What year was that? Do you remember? That the ambush. That was about. He guys brought those bows in June of 2011 because that was when it was 109 when we pulled into camp. I think it was the following year that I heard. You yeah, because you didn't have your one yet. I had mine. Sean had his. Sean, Sean had gotten had his. his. So it must have been 2012. Yeah. When the name kind of oh, jumped so that was the same year that I started hunting, just a different time. Yeah. Very cool. And so, um, so that was your first ambush. Was you were in the inaugural inaugural ham, ambush? 
That's yeah. right, yeah, because the next year I think I had my two tracks echo. So we all the red one. Yep. Double check that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So lots of lots of hunts between them. I mean, you've mentioned Andrew's work. I know uh, Donovan Watson's participated in some of them. Sean, Sean. has obviously yep. participated. Oh, my son Jordan. Jordan. Um, and we had Gary Swinton, um, a guy named Steve Angel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you let that guy back in. But. Well, we've talked about it. We're trying to figure that one out. Um, getting rid of him's the trick. Yeah. Well, it is now. <laughs> uh, Dave Riley joined us. David Riley, who's here. He's in fact, he won't show up on here, but he's in the next room snoring right now. Yes. Mid midday nap before the afternoon hunt. Um. Derek Sheehan, yeah, Chris um, Galt, Chris Galt, old Jerry, old Jerry, Jerry, Jerry twice. Twice. absolutely, twice, yeah. Nick hasn't been down during this hunt, right? No. He always comes in the fall, right? No. The times he's been, has been in the fall. They all run together because, especially, it's been a couple of years that I've come twice in one year, and then they really start running together because it's hard to, yeah, yeah, hard to keep them separate. But the property is. 3,000 acres that we we hunt 3,000 3,000 acres and I would say between the people sitting in this room right here we pretty much know about every square inch of it at this point yeah been around a little bit yeah and actually I shouldn't say that there's still sections of this property I've never yeah. I've never hunted I've never hunted up near Sam Rice never hunted near uh, White Oak Stand the stand I'm going to sit this afternoon is the first time I've ever hunted that stand. But walking around, I mean, most of the swamps and stuff, I've, I've walked through most of it. Yeah, I've, I've passed probably just about everything on here. There's a few of them. This is my first year hunting way north on the property. Um, but there are a couple stands or a few stands, a few of our old stands that I had never made it to, and then they've got new stands now that definitely have made it to. But. So I, I think it's cool when uh, you're doing a track because an animal will go places that you would never go on your own. And so that's kind of the way I found a lot of little little spots that even after years of hiking all over this place, it's like, oh, that's where they go. Forced oh, you I bet that goes over now. there. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know this little, you know, depression was here. And that creates a travel corridor. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I love going out on tracks just to, to see what I can learn. And finding stuff like old logging camp stuff. Right. We stumbled into a, last a year. bit of that last year. Yeah. There's old railroad grades out there. The old uh, uh, Columbia Savannah. Uh, coach Road goes through the property, so there's places where there's little elevated humps. Uh, actually, it's right there. You can see it out the window. It's where part of it was. Yeah. So, a lot of cool stuff out there. Well, and, you know, and just given the history of the place, I mean, the you know the trading that went on between the Indian tribes down here, and, you know, the uh, settlers and that kind of thing, and Sean. Finding that pipe bowl and that clay pipe, yeah, right? that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So. to be out in the middle of no, virtually yeah. nowhere. Right. I mean, it's yeah, 
pretty pretty special. But yeah, and, and that's I know when we walked up on that those timbers that were nailed to trees like 12 feet off the ground is out in the middle of nowhere. It's like who and why would you have done this? Mm-hmm. Out in these cypress swamps. Mm. Squared timbers. It wasn't like a log that somebody right, stuck up there timbers. for skinning. It was purposeful. Yeah. yeah. And some of these. And like 10 by 10s. I mean, like they were big. And some of the trees, the cypress trees you walk up down here, I mean, it would take four or five of us just to reach around these right. things and tie it just. Oh, yeah, they're primeval. Unbelievable how large they are. Um, lost some of them in the hurricane a few years ago, but still some absolute just monsters. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that always held an attraction for me was just a different kind of terrain because, I mean, we don't have anything like this back mm-hmm. home in Michigan. You don't have swamps like this you don't have cypress trees you don't have the critters living in it that you do down here you know just the size of the trees yeah. even the oak trees and the beech trees i mean they're just immense down in the swamp i mean they just they're just huge yeah. and that goes back to the original reason that andrew sought to purchase this yeah. right mm-hmm. so you know the 3,000 acres a little over 900 of it is old growth original swamp trees right hardwoods um, I might butcher the story but somebody did a check for rings and said this was here before either the new world was discovered or before you know the US was a colony or something mm-hmm. I mean we're talking old old oh, I bet trees. they're older than that yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine some of those big cypress trees? Because well, they've been here for hundreds and you know, yeah, several just, hundred years, yeah. many hundreds. Yeah. So I mean, that one we made arrows out of that we got. You know, uh, I asked Andrew if I could have a piece of cypress if he knew of any blowdowns, and I'd take one home and play with it on my wood lathe. And Charlie just when we went out. And, down came a cypress tree. I mean, a pretty modest one. Mm-hmm. It was only, I don't know, 18 inches in diameter, 15 inches in diameter. And it, the growth rings were so tight on that thing, you couldn't count them. Very slow growing. Oh, yeah. Jerry took a piece of that home and and uh, cut it up and dried it and tried to make arrows out of it. And, it'll, it, and it won't rot. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, but it'll, it'll rot. Last, yeah, well, it'll the Stroh's Brewery used bald cypress for their for their fermenting tanks and if you see any of the trees that have been cut or fallen down in the swamp i mean there's no telling how long some of those have been laying there and they're yeah uh, they don't they just don't rot yeah yeah it's amazing they don't make good arrows though apparently that story we well, i'd imagine it would be that. if i remember it right the, the wood was not light. very heavy yeah they're very light well he couldn't spine them i mean he's he out of the he made 300 arrows out of that piece, and then he got maybe one or two dozen that were heavy enough to shoot. Really? Out of a 50-pound bow, so. Wow. I do remember it being fairly light and almost like it was porous. It, I mean, it wasn't porous, but that's kind of the way it felt. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that. So, one thing I do that I've always found fascinating about this place, and, and we can talk through some of them, are the the names that get attached to all these different stand locations because if, you know as an outsider looking in if you weren't on the property and i mean there's just some 
Looky Lou. That's the one I'm gonna hunt today. And that Andrew named that because of carrying the kids down to look across the river at that one particular point. Yep. Um, uh, you know, you got Styles Field and Virginia's Camp, which were again for his for his kids. But then you've got um, well, some of the Mulberry was because he and Virginia used to go around the that tree. Around the mulberry tree? Yeah. But there wasn't actually a mulberry tree. But there wasn't a mulberry okay. tree there. All right. That's where they would play and they'd sing that song. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that's how it got the name. I'm looking yeah. for a mulberry tree. And I'm like, Andrew, there's not a mulberry tree here. Why is it called mulberry? And that's what he said. Wow. Famously, well, some of the, we're at wildfire. Right? Yeah, wildfire. So that little, a little controlled burn went uncontrolled. And <laughs> they had a wildfire, and that was an easy one to name. Hog wallow was fairly easy, too. Yeah, that yeah, was a big wallow. <laughs> yes. Big wallow. So my favorite, personally. Yeah. The, one of my only contributions to the naming of stands is uh, one called Right Right. You go right and go right. That's a typical southern name right there. It's right, right. Yeah. You get to the first intersection, you take a right. And you, the road splits, you take a right. And I will say it's probably the only stand that nobody's ever gotten lost going to. So I call it a win. Well, and there's thing one. Is it thing one and thing two? Or thing one and two or what? Yeah, yeah. And then there was Hog Lake One, Hog Lake Two, and right. Blue Lake One and Blue Lake Two. Not to be confused with Blue Lake Field. So some of the naming <laughs> yeah. is so, kinda of going off the rails. Oh, and then the funniest one, uh, there was a farm implement called a Fleco. Oh yes. And I had the spot, I just had a good feeling, and Charlie says, Yeah, let's do that there and Andrew told me much later, he said, I didn't think there was any way there would be a pig there. And we put up a, a feeder and a stand and got everything all set and uh, sat it. I think I got a shot at a pig like the first or second night. And this, this fleco was sitting right where the turn was. Mm -hmm. And when I was trying to explain how to get to the stand, I'm like, well, just go till you find the fleco and turn. Well, so ended up having like maps printed that said fleco on it and all this stuff. And then Charlie just hooks it up to the tractor and takes the fleco away. <laughs> We still called it Fleco for a couple years after that. Well, and you had Gumbo. Yeah, so how did Gumbo get its name? I, I don't know. Oh, that slop, that road was so... I and mean, that you would gray clay sink right into oh, your ankles, that. and you couldn't get your boots back out of it. <laughs> that road's hardened up a lot over the years. Yes. But it's that pit next better. to it's still pretty soupy. What about Sam Rice? Anybody know where that got it from? Yeah, so that was, um, I believe, before Andrew's time. Oh, really? That goes way, way back. Sam Rice track was a, a separate track that he uh, got separately. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I, I think that goes back a long ways. A long ways. Right, right here at Cohen's Bluff. And I think that Cohen's Bluff was named after the guy that ran the ferry uh -huh. to take, like, horses across the river and wagons. Right? I, I think that goes way back. Okay. And I know it's kind of funny. You you look at the property. And we have we have the maps that we can look at. And you look at this maze of roads that run all through this thing. And the first time you come here, it's really intimidating until you sit down and think about it. And it's with just a little bit of thought, it's impossible to get lost right. in this place. I mean, you might get turned around a little bit, but you can't get lost. You're either going to hit river or you're going to hit a road. Yeah. And all roads lead back to camp or, or, or to the highway. Uh, 
But how many miles of roads is on the property? Let's I know you know. About, about the roads. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, all the maps the we had were like a photocopy that somebody had taken a Sharpie, and mm -hmm. they just kind of guessed where the roads were and didn't include them all. So in those early years, especially with all the stalking and people not knowing where they were, you'd go walking out, you'd hit a road, you'd be like, oh, I must be here, I'll take a right. Well, you were actually hitting a road that wasn't on the map. Right. So, Eric, first time you showed up, yeah. you had your GPS and you set a track, and we filled the John Deere Gator full of gas, and we went out in a rainstorm that was horrible, and we hammered down, we did 37.1 miles. Something like that. In one go, bouncing through the almost swamp. forty miles of road. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's insane. And now we know where the actual roads are. It is, and, and yeah. you know, they're not close together. Oh no, no, no! You know, it, so it's not like you're, you know, in a subdivision or anything. These roads are half a mile, mile apart. I think I figured out. There's a point on this property where you were, I think, seven point one miles to a camp or hardtop. Okay. Like the most direct route is over seven miles to get back to, like if you needed help, you have to oh, go that yeah. far. If you're down the bottom of the swamp, you got to go all, all the way, like almost a horseshoe. All the way up and do the cross, and then all the way across and then go to down. the highway. Yeah, or yeah, that'd be fastest on the highway. That's true. I've walked that. It's not that fast. Walked it. <laughs> In the old days, we'd have to walk out of the old camp, and then we had to come back for lunch. So you might do several miles just getting out to where you want to hunt, come back, come back yeah. several miles back out, several miles back. I mean, yep. yeah, I did. Good weight loss program. I didn't do that. I don't think you did either that first time that I hunted with you. I remember we crammed granola bars in our in our packs in our pockets and stayed out. A lot of people did because uh, it was just you walked everywhere. Um, I can remember the, the original proprietor carrying a few people out and dropping them off, but for the most part, you went over that on the map the night before, and everybody kind of knew where they were going, and and that's where you went. Yep. Um, and I know you, you and I used to always go down to the picnic area, what they call the picnic area, and then we would split off from there. Center of the property. Right. Yeah. Um, and I want to get into, so before we go too long, I haven't looked at the time, but I do want to get into some we have we have not had many favorite hunting stories this week so i'd like to go and talk about some favorite hunts for me everybody but um i just lost my train of thought where i was going there now i don't even know what it was i completely lost it maybe it'll come back to me in a minute so i guess rick will we'll start with you you got a you got a, a favorite a favorite hunt or i think actually my favorite was the first one we did here and just the experience of it, you know. And coming back, we hunted Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, and half a Sunday. We went out Friday afternoon. I mean, and this was just totally new to all of us. I mean, and we got out there and we hunted till dark. We came back. There was a roaring fire in the fire pit out in front. We had some bourbon, sat around, watched the stars, told stories. I mean, it was it, memories like that, you know, made it special, I think. And we actually still have the same disc. I don't yeah. know what that came from. It got Chattanooga Plow Company on it. Somebody said it was used for boiling, boiling sorghum. sorghum. Oh, is that what they, it was? They had one here, but they also had one at the old camp. I thought this was the one I, from the old I, camp. They had two of them, I believe. Yeah. And 
I was at the old camp today, and the other one's gone. But uh, yeah, I'm sure they had two. Because I just remember the one at the old camp had the same notches yes. knocked out of the side. So I just assumed it was the same one. Okay. So so Rick's favorite hunt was the first hunt, and I think, you know another good one was that last hunt we had out of the old camp because it was Tom, Doug, and I. And there was another gentleman with us. We only had four people in camp. And that was the first year that Doug and Tom both got hogs. And, and it was almost bittersweet because we knew that was the last year we were going to hunt out of that camp and everything, too. But that was a good trip. Yes, it was. I don't know if I could really say if I've had really what I would consider my favorite hunt. I'm every... Every single one has been special for one reason or another. Um, I, probably one of my favorites would be the year we brought our boys yeah. and we had Tom. Uh, I'm sensing a, a, a commonality here that Tom's involved. I don't well, <laughs> I like to do a little bit. You know, it, it, it's, I will say this. It's funny because we had, we had no idea who Tom was. We'd hooked up on trad. Rick and him had hooked up on trad game. Right. Never met. I met at Rick's house. Tom drove in, and we were riding down together. And out gets this big, tall, gangly kid, and we're just looking at him and thinking, he's not a bull hunter. Um, and. We, you know, we we got driving down. Uh, I think you had a stick talk. Yeah. In right. in the uh, car or in the van, and Tom picked it up, and really, you were real interested. You were quite fascinated with that, and um, we we just hit it off. Um, and it's just been, you know, it's just grown. You know, there have been years since when, you know, we put up that we're going to have our hunt and the bunks filled. Now, you know, they're, they're quick. It's, we don't usually have to do too much to fill our bunks down here. And, uh, but we have just the group of people that we have been able, been fortunate enough to hunt with yeah that is i think for me just special um i mean it's 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 nice to get a pig i go home many years when no pig and my wife will say where's the pig oh, didn't get one well did you have fun had an absolute blast it just we 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 hunt hard we laugh very hard. <laughs> My sides have hurt you know, many a night. Yeah. And we eat really well, too. We eat well. <laughs> yep. Um, too well. Yeah. But uh, it's just... It's been hunts that I will never forget. It has been some of the best ex hunting experiences I've ever had. Well, and, I, and it's not just this crowd. I've heard of quite a few lifelong friendships that have been forged on this property um 
you know, everybody in this room I've gotten to be real good friends with. I can't keep you and Rick's names right half the time, but. Uh, <laughs> But you just uh, know it's one of the two old guys. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. But the bad part is you you couldn't be any more different. I don't know what. And it's just been this hunt. I don't know what it is about that. I'm getting old. I think it's you're getting old. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you two took the easy route. So now I'm going to go to Derek and say, Derek, I want you to tell us about your favorite hunt. What was your successful favorite successful kill well, my first pig was my second hunt. Okay. And because I didn't get anything, I didn't even think I even shot an arrow that first hunt. Nope. I don't think I even had any shots. I know I didn't. I came close on my first hunt, but I didn't lose an arrow either on the first hunt. So, and then on the second week, second time I came down here, I got a hog the first night out. And that was, that took a lot of the pressure off. And honestly, that was my first bow hunt kill. Period. Full stop. Really? Oh yeah. And where? Which which stand were you in? Do you remember? Uh, Charlie stand. Charlie stand. Yes. Yeah. Up on the hill. And sow boar. Uh, sow. One hundred twenty-five pounds. And, Respectable. Uh, string tracker. The whole nine yards. You know, I could replay it in my head and exactly know which way I could. I don't know, those stands probably moved by now, but, uh, you know, and I, that's the one I remember. I think my favorite hunt, though, probably was when I brought my boys down, but it wasn't for a, a hambush. I, I came down here last May with both my boys, and we had a great time um, stomping around the property. Yeah. And so that was. And if it was just you and your boys, it was just you and your boys. Me and my boys and another guy, Army Army Man Dan. I don't know him. Yeah, that's a new name for me. Talk talk to Charlie about him. Okay, get an earful. (laughs) 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 He was an all right guy. He was an all right bloke, as my English friends would say. But he just didn't know when to be quiet. Enough was enough. So, but we had a good time. Very cool. Well, Tom, I hope you've been sitting there thinking because you've hunted this property probably more than anybody in this room. Yeah, so we're supposed to talk about the uh, favorite successful one. Well, either I'm thinking either your your it doesn't necessarily have to be your maybe it's a maybe it could be unique or maybe it's just a great story. So I know you've got a couple of them. No, because I've heard them. I've been trying to think. I mean, there's just been you know, like Doug, you were saying, there's there's these little vignettes that happen in every single hunt and you can't take a hunt and say oh that was the best one because those things are just commonplace you know it happens through all of them yeah and the thing i think is you can spend all these days hunting where you get up in the morning you get in your truck you drive the the wma you climb your tree you climb down you go back right you come here and you go out and hunt and you come back and you're in the lodge, you're in the bunkhouse and you're with people that choose to challenge themselves with traditional tackle and people who are, you know, purposefully, you know, limiting themselves in what they're doing. And it puts you among a, a, a group of people that like on Trad Gang we talk about our community or um, and you end up with these, you know, really 
one in a million people, and everybody's one of them. Yeah, across all walks of life, too. You know? Yeah. I mean, and bad guys are in everywhere, but... And how many places in the world can you go and be in a place where you are completely among friends and peers? And I think that's the magic of this place. I mean, the property is great, but what really sets it apart is that, right? I mean, we could we could run a gun club on this and it wouldn't have this feel. Or we could run a bed and breakfast in here and, you know, whatever. Or what, But it is what it is because of the people who come here. Yeah. And a lot of the best stories are not successful in the conventional means. It's funny, you say, I don't look like a bow hunter. Well, the very first time we came down, I'm trying to think if I'd bow hunted before that day or not, right? I mean, it was like, I don't think I definitely you, hadn't hunted pigs before. I don't that was think all you had, because I, I think you had, as I recall, this was, that was your first time. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, I say, we just, I, I thought, I honestly did not think we'd ever see you again. After, you know, I just figured this guy's, he's coming down and, is he's all done um but it it, you know and he knows more about pigs than i've ever thought about knowing um then i forgot you know yeah but it's you know you touched on something too the the people that we have met in this you know i mean we we, there's five of us sitting in this room um See, you're the only ones that ever made it up to, to my house. You know, you and it's your... A, it's a, it's a terrible walk. Well, you know... It's a bit of a hike. It's a hike from my house in Michigan to his house. But it's... I have found that over the years, there's not too many people that we've hunted with down here that we couldn't call up and say, hey, I'm coming your way or I'm going you know on a vacation going this way and they wouldn't say come by and stop and see stay with us for a while and um, I've never been involved with any other group that's that way that has everything down here we have there's just been such special connections made with everybody. We all have shared so much. Um, and everybody's ready to pitch in to do anything for anybody here. You know, if, if something, if somebody doesn't have something, somebody else got it for them. And it, it, it. Talk about the pitching in part. Remember that part where uh, Charlie had started to establish hog wall. And I think that year, I think, Rick, I think you were the only person who had not got a pig yet. And it's like, it got hit, the computer went off like in the morning and it had already been hit and there was a sign everywhere. We were like, this is it, this is Rick's day. Yeah. And we ran back to camp and loaded up sections of a spare ladder stand from the target range. And we got that thing whipped out and you changed Set it up, up, and 10 minutes later, yep. you were flying yep. back out there. <laughs> and well, I wasn't in there 15 minutes, and I had hogs under there. Yeah. You know. I, well, well, we set that thing, what, 3.30, 4 o'clock right. in the afternoon, and he goes right back out. and Boom. 
kill the pig. <laughs> sometimes it's easy, yeah. sometimes yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But what I remember was like some people in the back of the gator holding the tree stand down, people in the front of the gator, people jumping in the truck with the straps and the yeah. uh, all that stuff. It's like it was that was like one of those like pitching in. Yeah. Well and we've got we've got and I don't want to mention names because I don't have their permission to mention everybody in here is obviously given permission to have their name on but we've got two new hunters in in camp this week that have never killed a pig and True. They've pretty much been given the what we thought. <laughs> what we thought was the cream of the crop as far as locations all week. It hasn't really worked out for any of us, but um, but you know that's the general consensus is everybody will go out of the way to to help others. And you're talking about coming up to seeing you and those kind of things. I mean, Derek's told me multiple times, if you're ever up doing this, you got a place to stay. All you got to do is let me know. And you know, going up for things like. Uh, the MLA banquet, which I've been to twice now, going up for Compton's, you know that to, for me, that's as much of the enjoyment of getting to go up to those things as to get to see yeah, you guys, right. because I don't get to see you on a regular basis. You know, uh, it's either this camp or if I make it up there for for a, a special event. So you know, I it, it I get what you're saying, um, and I don't want to. I, I would like to actually lay out my favorite or my most memorable hunt here soon but you know I, before I do that I do want to go back to one other thing and you know I think for you you guys it was a little bit different when I first came down here in 2012 you know Tom and I we over time got to be good friends after that camp um, I don't think we necessarily left that way it was just we we stayed in touch because of that that hunt and I'll be honest with you, I really did not have much desire to come back. Um, well, seeing the trailer, I don't know. You know, and I'll be the first to say, I think the main reason it was different for me is this isn't that much different than what I was used to hunting. Now, yeah, there's more swamp, and it's it, but it, it just really wasn't that much different for me, so it wasn't special like it was for you guys. The part that made it special for me was the first time I met Andrew. Right. And as soon as I met Andrew, in fact, as soon as I talked to him on the phone the first time, really, I was like, it was a buddy of mine was standing there, uh, Brandon was standing there when I, when I called him to, to set up that, that hunt. And I told Brandon, I said, I'm a light with this guy. I mean, you just, you just couldn't help it. And, and after that first hunt with Andrew, it just became something that I was going to have. I was going to do at least once a year, and even you know, two years when I could, you know, twice a year when I could. Um, at the time, Andrew was coming up to Atlanta quite a bit. We would get together for for breakfast whenever we could. I mean, it was just Andrew had that personality. He was a instant friend. Yes. Yeah. I got out of my vehicle up here the first time I met the man. He walked up and, and hugged me, and it's just yeah. <laughs> and for and, and anybody knows me, especially my wife, will tell you that's not something that you know. I'm old. I'm I'm old school. Men don't hug kind of thing. But with with Andrew, it was just. And you know, since that day, I think I hug every one of you yeah. guys as soon as I see you the first time. And I would have never done that before, Andrew. I was going to say we all. That is one thing when we see each other, we do. We it's hug a each other. Probably, yeah. you know. Um, Did you do it before Andrew? No. 
Well, well I didn't. Not, not, not to the extent. I mean, I had to be really close to somebody to hug. Or really drunk. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't hug them from far away, though, can you? <laughs> but, but and, you know, well, and we had met Andrew, Rick and I, and you. Yeah, I missed him. The, the, we met him at the old camp. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, when he pulled up, his long blonde hair, pair of shorts, boots with no shoelaces in them wide open and driving this old beater car throws open the back end of the car hey you boys want lunch and it's vienna sausages cans of vienna sausages and all and crackers and and i'm looking you know you looked at him and we knew he was the owner because we were told the owner was coming and you just looked at him and go I love this guy. You know, he just, you don't get any more down to earth. And I think that was the time he looked at us and he said, now, I got to go take care of some stuff. We're going to go burn a building. So you might hear a little bit of an explosion, but we're going to go set it on fire and we're using some gas. And they took off, you know. Um, but, and he would, talking to him, every time he talked to you, Hey, Budro. Yep. How you doing? And you would never know that he could have never lifted a hand the rest of his life. Right. And right. And he'd get right out there with us. I mean, it didn't. You've got a hog, or anybody got a hog, and he'd drop whatever, and he was right out there going through. He would tell you, stay out of these areas, you know, because the alligators. And here he is walking right through them at. You know, pigs midnight, running, one o'clock. knocking him down. Yep. But he did, and it just, that was a guy you just absolutely loved. And I, and everybody that ever met him will tell you the same yes. thing. And yes, yes, absolutely. I would say the to in my opinion, as as selfish as I would like to make it because of how much I thought of Andrew, the biggest tragedy with his early passing was how many people never got to meet him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, you go to town when we would go to town, just to see how the people in town. Mm -hmm. He had so much respect, and he would stop and talk with everybody. It made no difference. I mean, he, you know, he, he just, I, we were at Compton's one year, and I got home from Compton's, and I told Andrew had asked me to go to church on Sunday morning with him. I hadn't been in church. I hadn't gone to church. When I got home and told my wife I went to church, she thought I had really. <laughs> she had, she had, she, you know, all right, you're going through swamps with snakes and alligators, and now you've gone to church. This pig hunting has really done something to you. <laughs> but uh, it just, Andrew, you, you couldn't wait to get down to see him. You couldn't wait to talk to him. Um, it just, he, he would, he is one of a kind. He really was. 
And I will go out on him to say that he probably made every person he came in contact with a better person, even oh, if it sure was just did. for a yeah. <laughs> short period of time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you just you you couldn't be in a bad mood around the guy. You no, we boy did we laugh. I, of course, we laugh in this camp anyway. But oh, we get him going. <laughs> uh, he had some. He had some good stories too. Oh yeah, he had some good stories too. Yep. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and tell my favorite one. And I've I've taken a few hogs off the property over the years. Um, the first year I hunted here, I came close twice. The first time, I I, I walked up on two hogs at Mulberry. Or actually, I ran to them and I was I was stalking my way up. And just before I could get a shot, they decided they had had enough to eat and they left. And they never knew I was there. The next day was deep in the swamp, way on past Mulberry, um, and and saw a, a group of hogs and again took off running. And that one became a joke for quite some time. But uh, there was one really big hog in that group and I really wanted it and I kept sneaking around and sneaking. Finally I got to the point where I could I could take the shot and I eased out from around this big cypress and about the time I was going to start drawing my bow there was a little piglet that couldn't have been more than a, about the size of a football <laughs> right up under my foot I never saw him and he, he either smelled or saw me and let out a squeal and the woods erupted there was pigs running everywhere uh, and Ray <laughs> Ray used to give me a, a lot of a lot of grief about that situation, but but my most memorable was actually the first year I met you. The first it may have been was that my first ambush? Yeah, I guess it was the first year I was with Ambush, 2017. So I decided I was going to hunt hard that week, and right out of the gate. I was going to go and hunt, uh, so I hunted in the afternoon, came back, had dinner, and I was going to go back and sit a stand till whenever, at night, in the dark, had my nice bow-mounted light that I had just put together. It was cold. Oh, my God, it was cold. And I, I was bound to determine I was not going to come back early, so I sat in that stand freezing. So I finally get up to leave the stand. It's so cold. My wool pants are shimmering from where my breath is just frozen and created a sheet of ice on my pants. By the time I get back up to my truck, my blood starts, I am just, I, I'm uncontrollably shaking. I'm so cold. So I get in the truck, I crank it up, let the heat get started. I finally get warmed up, feel like I can drive back. As I'm driving back to camp, I'm thinking, I really want to be quiet because it's like 2 a.m. at this point. I don't want to wake these guys up. So I pull in the road out there and I've got enough speed I just let the truck coast I cut the engine off and I coast up right here and I ease the thing out I'm creeping up here and I ease the door open and oh my god the snoring that was going on I could have rolled up in a Sherman tank and nobody would have nobody would have heard me so I go ahead and ease in Tom's in here so the room we're sitting in now just so people understand it there's a, a coffee table and, and two sofas and some chairs and Tom was stretched out on one sofa because he was smart enough not to go in behind that door where you guys were snoring so I threw my sleeping bag on the other one and I stretched out somewhere around 3 a.m. well at some point around 7 o'clock I hear doors banging open and and I'm half awake and I, I think I set up but I was 
not planning on going anywhere. I was just going to wait till the noise was over, and I was going to lay back down. And several people went out, and the door closed, and it got quiet. I just laid back down, and I was just about to fall back asleep, and the door opened, and Tom walks in. And I don't remember exactly what you said, but the, the gist of it was, are you going to get up or are you going to sleep? And I, I don't even remember what I answered him, but he said, well, I've got a plan. Now, if you know Tom well enough, when Tom says, I've got a plan, what he's really saying is, get up because you're going with me. We're going hunting. So I got up grudgingly. I put my clothes on. I'm, I'm half awake. We get in the gator. It's still really cold. I'm thinking mid-20s at this point. And Tom takes off. So uh, the gator, I, keep, I said gator, it's a six-wheel ATV. Now, when Tom is driving the Gator, it has two speeds, stop and go. No, and go is fast. It's wide open. Yep. We're tearing out through the swamp. I got tears running down my face because I'm so cold. The wind's blowing away. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I let him talk me into this crap. So we drive down in the swamp. We park at what's called the Turkey Foot, which is a junction of multiple rows that roads that create something that looks like a turkey foot on the map. We park the Gator, and we start walking to the furthest most point of the property. And at this point, I'm starting seven point one mile point. Exactly. Yeah. So this is Tom's plan. So we walk all the way, and the plan is we're going to go all the way into the property, and then we're going to slowly still hunt our way back. We did see a sounder of pigs. We sat there and studied those for 15, 20 minutes before we decided there's no way we can get to them unless we just really want to punish ourselves and try to swim. We go a little bit further. For swimming. Right. We went a little bit further and we ran into, I said, I told Tom, I said, stop, something's, something's over in the, in, the, in, the, in the palmettas off to the right. And we sat there and waited. And instead of a pig, a she-hen walks out. <laughs> So Derek comes up and talks to us for a minute, and then we ended up, we went on down the road, and once we got to the end of the road, we dropped off down into the swamp. And a, at that point, it wasn't like it is now. It was just a creek running through there and a little marshy. And Tom said, well, we're going to split up here. One of us will go down one side of the creek, one side of us will go down the other. It was at this point that I realized that I got up in such a hurry, I was wearing my hiking boots. Uh, I asked Tom, I said, Tom, do you mind hunting the other side because there's no way I can get across. I'll be up to my my knees in mud. So we started working our way down, and it was, uh, I was walking into Creek Bank, and, and I remember as I started started down, I said, you know what, I'm going to try this old Asbel trick where he talks about walk side-hilling a hill, and he'll, he'll just pop his head up and look over the top of the ridge. So that should work in this creek back, right? I can look out over these oak flats. And I look over and I see Tom, and Tom's working his way through. And, and I went like the second time I peeked out. And there's a as soon as I peeked out, there's a hog right here in front of me. So I look back over at Tom, and I try to get his attention. And Tom's in his own little world on the other side of the creek. So I, 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 came, <laughs> I came up out. As soon as I stepped up out of the creek bank, the wind hit me in the back of my neck. So I jumped back down, and I did my best uh, mash imitation where I took off running with my, like I was trying to avoid the, the props on the helicopter. And I run up this creek bank and pop back up on the other side. And I ended up getting within like 12 yards and, and, and shot this. It was, a, it was the prettiest, I think it was the prettiest pig I've ever seen. I mean, it was just solid black, just beautiful. And 
the thing, it didn't go 20 yards and ran up under. A, this was right after the hurricane, too, because all the oaks were down. It ran up under one of those oaks. And I thought I was going to have to throw rocks at Tom because I'm trying to get his attention. And he finally looked at me, and I went and, you know, made a signal with my fingers like something was running and then pointed down. And you could just see Tom lit up. Uh, so he, uh, sorry. So he comes over, and, and we, uh, you brought... How did you? Oh, you took your hat, your boonie. Took yeah. your boonie and dipped it in the creek and brought water up and washed the washed the mud and the stuff off the pig. We took pictures, some of the prettiest pictures you've ever seen of a pig, but it was. Uh, she cleaned up nice. It was. It was. I don't know. It was just everything about, and it was Tom's birthday, which made it even better. Um, so we, Tom, Tom hoofs it all the way back that seven miles just because I wasn't going to. And got, the, got the, he got the gator, and drives it back around, and I'm I'm trying to drag the pig to a certain point to meet him. We get the gator swung up on the cypress knees. Worst so bunch the, of cypress knees I've ever seen. The gator wouldn't go anywhere. We anyway, I centered the gator on him. So we we get we get, finally got the pig out, but it was it was probably the prettiest hog I've ever seen. Everything about it was beautiful. And then the next morning, we go back into the same place. We're gonna we're gonna do it differently now. Tom's gonna hunt the side of the idea, and I'm gonna take the other side. And 20 yards in, Tom sees this big little group or a large group of little pigs. Little pigs, and he ended up catching one of those. And that picture's been kind of <laughs> posted everywhere. As Tom's standing there holding this this little three pound piglet, and then put it back, and it ran off to go live this. Brothers and sisters, or whatever. That was a cute one. Yeah. So the when you when you yanked him up off the ground, the rest of the group took off down this little trail, and you held the pig. We took some pictures, and when Tom set this pig down, it didn't go three feet and hit that trail where your siblings, and it was gone. It knew exactly where they went. And it dove nose first under a piece of branch, and all the squealing stopped in an instant. Yeah. Oh, and as you were, what was it? You were holding him. Yeah, well, I first grabbed it. It was on the ground. Right. And it was squealing and, and struggling. And so I picked it up. And it stopped. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, okay, good. Well, I can adjust my hand. So I set it down to get a better hold. And then it started kicking and squealing again. So I picked it back up. But I assume that when, like, a, a mother would pick up a, a little baby one, that they, their instinct is to go be silent. Yeah. So whose phone was ringing a while ago? Well, that was mine. We got we got almost no service in this thing, know, and you're weird. getting phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> now no one's going to believe us when we say there's no service. Exactly. Yeah, no, Thanks, no. Rick. Way to go. Never check in every day. Yeah, really. Well, I tell you, there's another. The good news day. for me, you know how many podcast episodes my wife has listened to? Zip. Zero. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is I think this is the first time we found out that if we hang those, or if we put those phones in that window every now and then, we'll get a signal. Yeah, so they kind of randomly go off. One will get a bunch of texts, and then it's all silent for a while. Then another one will go off and get a bunch of texts. Yeah, because it is, it is rather remote here. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but that, and that's the great part. You know, we've never really done... Got a radio over in the in the 
except for uh, everyone. Everyone loves it, well, except for that one guy who didn't. But yeah, you know, we everyone else it. just been. You know, I love this. Is the first time I've ever seen TV down here. Nobody ever has watched TV. Yeah, we've got this. We've got this big screen TV. Big screen TV. A six-inch screen. And a VCR. Yeah, it's got a VHS. I mean, who has a VHS tape? I wish I'd brought my the owner of that TV. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, really. But no, you know, it's that's part of the appeal of this too. Is no radio, no TV, and and you don't miss it. Can't get cell service half the time. You need a weather. We need a weather report. You go outside and you look up at the sky. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> The uh, the entertainment center is the fire over there with all the chairs around it. Yep. And the sound system is the wind chimes. Oh, I love the wind chimes. Yes. I must admit, I love that deep tone wind chime. I love. Well, gentlemen, I really do appreciate you, especially you, Rick. I know you feel. So Rick's Rick's been fighting a cold most of the week. So we're gonna let you go back and take a nap before you, before you head back out. And we're going to try to end our 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 bad streak tonight. So we're going to try. It's we it's been kicking our butts. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's going to hunt. I your can't think of a group of people who knows this who knows this know. property better. But they're just. We're going to intentionally stay away from Dave's field and Charlie's field and let Chicken Hawk have free reign for one day. Chicken Hawk. That little guy, something else. I wish I'd taken more video of him. Yeah, he's a cute little fella. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, thank you. Good luck this afternoon. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, good and, luck. And all maybe let's get some arrows in there. Maybe somebody will get something on the ground. We can do a little bonus bonus clip for this thing there you before go. it goes live. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be an addendum. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you.